Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. This is episode 60. My name is David Rethemeyer. This is Abraham Chen. And this week we are back with another episode of Unbound Talks. And this week we are joined once again by Unbound CEO Jonathan Brush and Jace Bauer. Uh, Abe, what are we talking about today? We've uh, talked on the podcast a lot about education and the state of education where things have changed over the past few years, especially in the past couple years. As we all know, the world has gone through many changes and we are faced with many choices and many realizations of where we are with education. And today I wanted to really touch on the details of where we are in educating um, ourselves, those of us who are college students or uh, moving into the professional world, but also for us who are preparing for the next generation, our kids. Are there subjects that we should focus on? What are things that we should pay attention to? How is certain subjects or education methods different from others? So I would love to hear uh, about that from Jace and Jonathan. But let's kick off with this question. Are there certain subjects that you guys feel are more useful than others, especially for school, whether it's education through private and public schools or through homeschooling? Uh, Jonathan, let's start with you. You are a homeschooler yourself. You're a homeschooled dad. I would love to hear your thoughts on how have things changed from when you were a student till now when you are a dad? Yeah, well, I think one of the big things, uh, you know, I was homeschooled myself. And when I was homeschooled, there was just a lot of questions about whether this was a system that could work. And what would the outcomes be like? And there weren't that many people that had gone to college and had gone on. And so there was just a lot of, um, I don't know, figuring things out, and also a lot of concern about that. And I think one of the big differences now is that that has been really laid to rest. I mean, we, in every conceivable way, we can measure it. And personal stories and anecdotes, and then really strong and rich data from a variety of sources. Uh, we know that homeschooling, uh, almost no matter which way it's done and kind of what method is used, produces pretty great results, uh, typically better results than you get out of uh, public and private school systems. There's always exceptions to that. Um, but so because of that, if you're homeschooling now, there's just a wealth of resources, there's a wealth of information, there's a wealth of perspectives that can help you uh, navigate this. And you can do it with a lot of confidence, knowing that, hey, you can do this a lot of different ways, um, but there's some things that we've learned that we know work really well. So that would be a big difference, I think, just in terms of the whole landscape, is that homeschooling has been proved to be quite effective. And so when you're looking at resources now, you know those resources are ones that have been tried in the marketplace and have been deemed to be pretty successful. And that's, that's very confidence-inducing. And I think that makes homeschooling now a lot easier in so many ways. Chase, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jonathan. Um, I have not had such a long history in homeschooling. Um, graduated pretty recently within the last um, five or six years. Have definitely been a beneficiary of those early homeschoolers who kind of laid that groundwork. But I definitely think that homeschooling has been proven uh, as a educational model and practice. And I think especially now in the world we live in, like you mentioned, Abe, that homeschooling provides some some pretty key advantages just to the way the world works um, and the way that uh, learning has kind of changed, for lack of a, a better way to say it. I think with homeschooling, really, it's changed for me even just, I'm with you, Jace, I've graduated 
fairly recently within the past few years and seeing how even when I was a kid, homeschooling was definitely more of a niche, if you will. And it still is. But seeing how, like you said, just the the benefits of that and, and how there are so many more families who are trying it or, or doing it in some, one form or another, one form or another uh, with their kids. It's really interesting just to see how that's changed. But a little follow-up question and more on a personal note, were there subjects for you, Jace, Jonathan, or even you, David, that you enjoyed more? And those of us on here, we're, we're all homeschooled. <laughs> Was it possible to uh, do these subjects more or work on these subjects more because you were homeschooled and was that beneficial? And uh, again, when talking about elementary through high school, these different subjects, do you think that there are subjects that are more useful in everyday life or preparing you for higher education and beyond? What do you guys think? I think this is super subjective question in some ways. Um, you know, for me, what was what was helpful or relevant for me may not have been very helpful or relevant for other people. Um, so I grew up from a very young age with a really big love for history. And um, that's what I got my undergraduate degree in, in history, and did a lot of history work through high school and dual credit and whatnot. And so that was something that was really kind of a focus of mine as I was learning and, and going through high school, middle school, all that. All that. While that might have been super important for me, uh, a subject that was um, helping me to not just learn facts about history, but also learn kind of a um, an, the skill of tracing cause and effect and finding patterns and things and stuff that I'm working with now and using now in my in my role uh, here at Unbound is in marketing. That was helpful for me, but it wasn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily be helpful for um, just anybody. I like the way that my mom um, always put it when she was talking to people, she would say that um, that she tried to major on the majors and minor on the minors. And that wasn't necessarily to say that, oh, if you just like history, that's all you should read about. That's all you should study. You don't need to take math courses. You don't need to take English. You don't need to take science. But it was a, a recognition that God had given me this desire for history. I was interested in it and fascinated by it. And there was things there that I could learn that would be helpful in my later life and not just the facts, but in how I learned it and, and how I was um, processing the information. And so um, I took math courses all the way up through the end of high school, um, you know, took science, um, you know, courses through throughout high school. So it was never like, this is just all my education is, is history. But there was a certain um, focus on it because that was an interest of mine and there was enough there to learn that, um, you know, I didn't necessarily need to know pre-calculus or, you know, kind of advanced biology or chemistry or anything like that. Um, that wasn't necessarily the way that I was, I was leaning. Um, and so I think it's kind of a subjective question in some ways, you know, if, if your student wants to be a chemist, then obviously chemistry and math and all that kind of stuff is going to be a pretty big part of their education. Um, yeah, still, if they are wanting to be a full-time writer, then English and um, literature is going to be a really, really important key foundation to their education. If they're wanting to be a chemist, they might not necessarily need a super advanced education in English and literature and vice versa. So I think in some ways there's that subjectivity to it. However, I also think that there's some core kind of 
key fundamental things that education should provide. And um, I'm thinking of things like critical thinking um, and and stuff like that, where it's not necessarily information, but it's um, teaching your student how to learn, how to think through problems, how to um, pursue wisdom. And those are things that are going to transcend kind of any career path or any calling or any field of study that they might go into later. Um, you know, you're going to use critical thinking as a chemist. You're also going to use critical thinking as a writer. You're going to use critical thinking as a, a mom or a dad or a gardener. There's just, it's kind of a fundamental um, thing. And so I think there's some of those subjects um, that are, are really important to, to get foundation right in. But then a lot of the other stuff is, is subjective, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree that it is subjective. And we're not suggesting for those of you listening that uh, there's certain subjects that we should just focus on and uh, ignoring others. It is very subjective, but I do think it is fascinating where a certain education system, especially with homeschooling, you are allowed to focus on some uh, subjects that one you're interested in, but might develop you uh, and prepare you again for certain roles that you have in mind in the future. I do believe in a well-rounded education, but I think what we're trying to get to in, in our discussion today is how to best get there. I remember for me, for example, where I relate to you, Jace, I was a huge reader. I loved history and I hated math. So anyone out there who relates to me, hey, shout out to you. I'm glad that I had a very well-rounded like education, but I didn't have to do, I think it was math every single year through high school. I think I only did three years, uh, got my basics, got up to, I think, pre-trig or something. And with science, for example, I love science, but it was one of those subjects where it's a lot to memorize and straight up. I, I always thought that, you know, I, I love science. I admire scientists, but I wasn't really like smart enough to be a scientist. <laughs> and so through my college career, I was, at the time, you know, you have to you take courses for your prereq stuff and uh, going through natural sciences again was just kind of going through a lot of the things I learned in science and the different types of clouds and all the atmospheric stuff and thinking, man, this is so interesting, but I have no idea. Like, I, I can't remember any of this. And it's it, it felt like going through high school again. So that was really interesting. But anyways, all that being said, Jonathan, any thoughts on just different subjects? What interested you? And again, uh, how we can get to that well-rounded education as we explore our own interests? Well, I think that there's a fundamental kind of way to look at this that really changes the question. And not to say that changes your question, Abe, but it changes the outcome of that question. And that is, you know, so often when you think about education, immediately, uh, maybe because of the fact that this is the way it worked for a long time, we think about, okay, let's break this down and get a bunch of buckets and stick a bunch of requirements in those buckets and then have everybody haul those buckets. And so, in other words, it's all about, you know, education has to be learned this much in history and this much in English and this much in science and this much in math. And then when you've got all those things topped off, wow, bang, we're educated. And I think one of the things that homeschooling has done that has been really important, especially for the way that our world works now, is that changes that a lot. And so there's kind of two fundamental things. The first is just that homeschooling is different because the schedule is different. And you don't have to actually move around a physical building and go to classes and do all those things. 
And that's fundamentally important because what homeschooling does naturally is it teaches somebody independence and it teaches them responsibility and it teaches them ultimately responsibility for their own education. And that transferable skill is way more critical than the actual knowledge that you get through an educational process. That's what's going to determine your success in a future career and your success in your life. And so to have that kind of system change is fundamentally important. And that's why you can have multiple different kinds of educational processes and philosophies in home education, and it all works out well. Uh, because primarily what happens in home education is you end up having the time and the ability to teach a transferable skill that is not taught in traditional school setting, and that is independence and the ability to be responsible for your own education. Then secondly, just in terms of you know what subject is best and what isn't, Look, obviously this is very, you know, dependent upon the student. Some people are really gifted in math and science. That wasn't you, Abe, and you shouted out to me because it wasn't me either, right? Um, but uh, that's going to become apparent. But maybe it's, it's more helpful to have a, a divide where you have a divide between the subjects that a student is good at and the subjects that they aren't and realizing that you can approach those differently. Uh, one of the things that homeschooling gives is the flexibility to say, if you're good at a subject, then we should double down and lean into this. And that's a transferable skill that's helpful for the rest of life as well. And if it's a subject that you're not good at, then instead of worrying so much about getting the content of that subject, because as you noted, Abe, you forgot a lot of that information and that's what's going to happen. Instead, use that as a foil to teach a transferable skill of learning uh, so that ultimately the idea here is that you can quickly and effectively master complicated information. And you do that by being able to be passionate about the stuff that you're good at and lean into it and go really deep. And you also do it by building skills, by having to force yourself to learn the things that you're not good at. And so that creates skills of discipline and perseverance and those kinds of things. And so it's that combination, I think, that ends up being the most useful. Um, it's not so much that there's one subject that's better than everything else. It's that if you teach this idea of learning, you teach this idea of independence and you give space to practice that. Uh, you teach this ability to lean into the subjects that you're good at and that you're interested in so that you can get better at than everybody else. And that you teach the idea that you have to persevere in the subjects that are hard, not because you have to master the actual facts of that content, but because you have to master that ability to learn something that's difficult, uh, then ultimately you come out with a pretty good educational uh, outcome at the end of that. 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's been that's a really good point, uh, Jonathan, and something that I think kind of ties into what you said and what Jace said out of my experience was that uh, I was someone who was relatively good at the maths and the sciences. So uh, I did not get a <laughs> shout out from Abe in this case, but I didn't end up uh, necessarily enjoying those things as much as subjects mm. uh, just to get in depth into because I was someone who really wanted to see the practical application. And a lot of those subjects I didn't see myself using on a day to day basis that often. So what I did find that I gained from those subjects, though, was an appreciation for how they taught me to think. The example that first comes to mind is proofs in trigonometry. Uh, and plane geometry was that I really did not get why I had to prove that the way that I had to go about, you know, making sure that this triangle was actually the triangle that it was saying that it was mm -hmm. in this way at first. But the way that you Hated logically that so approached, <laughs> the way that I logically <laughs> approached, though, breaking that down was actually really helpful. And then later on, I tried taking some software development courses, and I mm -hmm. ended up not getting into software development because I was not very good at it. But I appreciated the way that it taught me 
how to go about looking at and solving problems. So even though these were some subjects that I ended up, I haven't really used in my day to day of my career, they're things that I appreciate having taken. So yeah, good insights all around. But as we kind of transition forward here, another thing that I was curious if you guys had some thoughts on was the fact that especially with the internet and how much access we have to information and such a wide variety of information, finding good resources to be educated by has become more challenging than ever. We have way more options than ever before. So what I'd like to hear from you guys, uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you, is how do you be discerning and how do you pick good sources to be educated by? Yeah, that's a big question. And I don't know that I have full answers to that. So I should just caveat what I'm saying here and, and say, you know, listen and distill what it from, from this what you can. Um, but, you know, don't stop kind of asking those questions. Uh, there's maybe two ways to look at this. I mean, the first is there are systems out there and there are resources out there that have been there a long time. And they have uh, they're there for a long time because they've been successful. Uh, one of the things that I think is pretty fascinating about home education is that it created an economic space for free markets, the free market to hit education. Uh, that's not the case, right? You think about public schools and even private schools. Uh, that's a very sort of manipulated market in terms of what kind of resources can get in there and how they get in. And then there's not much connection between the educational resources and the end results of the user, uh, in this case, which would be a student. Uh, just from sheer economic terms, we can tell that's not a good way to evaluate whether things are successful or not. Everything's done on a macro scale instead of a micro scale. Now, you come into home education, and if you've ever been to a homeschool convention, and if you haven't been, you should absolutely go, and you walk into the convention hall, uh, the convention hall is just a you know an example of the free market hits education. Anybody who can scrape together the dollars it takes to get a booth at a homeschool convention can you know put out their educational idea and see what happens. And what happens is that it hits immediately to the end user, and then the parent teaching that curriculum and the student taking that curriculum immediately makes a judgment call on whether it's a good curriculum or not. And if it's good, they tell other friends and they keep using it. And if it's bad, it disappears. And so all that to say is that there's, you know, free market is really in process in home education, especially. And so when you go to that marketplace and you find systems and curriculum and resources that have been around for a while, uh, that's a pretty good indicator those things have a lot of quality to them. So that would be the first thing I would say. Uh, the second is that I think there's a an underlying theme that is helpful to know that we can be more nimble on than sort of a large institution. And that is you don't have to rely entirely on getting every little fact into somebody's brain. Uh, the world has changed and it's easy to pick those facts up later. So if you're trying to make a discernment between educational processes or educational resources, my advice would be to lean on the one that is more questions-based and teaches more the critical thinking that Jace referred to and teaches more how to learn and process things than one that teaches all the specific facts. Because it's going to be very easy to add facts later. It's going to be very difficult to teach somebody how to discern between facts that make sense and how to use them later. And so any curriculum that does that better than another, I'd lean that direction. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh, Jace, any thoughts? Yeah, just one quick thought to add. One of the advantages of homeschooling, and, and not that public or private schools 
never have this. There's always kind of exceptions, but I think one thing um, that homeschooling has a particular advantage with is kind of integrating learning with life. And, you know, I think of resources, you know, oftentimes we think of books or curriculum or, um, you know, teachers or whatever. Um, but I think we can learn a lot from just the world. And um, I think, you know, being a homeschool parent who brings your kids out to, you know, dig in the garden, you know, in the morning and like, let's look at the dirt and like, let's look at the worms and that sort of thing. Like that has some educational value as well. Um, it's not just necessarily all book learning. Um, and I think homeschooling opens the door to that experiential learning in a way that some other other educational models and systems don't all the time. You know, you go to a public school or a private school and it's, you sit at your desk, you listen to the teacher, you read a book, you write a paper, you, you know, take a test. And it's a lot of academic stuff and homeschooling. I think while there's elements of that, um, academic learning in homeschooling, homeschooling is also kind of integrated life with learning where you're able to go out and, and view the entire world as a educational resource that you can take lessons from and not just fact, factual lessons. Like, you know, the worm is this long and the worm does this and the worm does that, but, you know, talking about critical thinking as well and wisdom and, um, how to learn and take responsibility for your education. Those are also all things that we can learn just through that life integration. And um, I think that's a special advantage of homeschooling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, you giving the example of being able to go out and look at the dirt and the worms reminds me of uh, kind of an example that uh, my parents actually gave me the opportunity to do one time when I was studying uh, biology when I was in, I think, middle school. And it was studying like uh, fish and water life. Uh, they took that as an opportunity to go out with uh, with an uncle of mine who has a nice fishing boat. And we went out and just talked to him who has a wealth of knowledge about like, how fish move in different rivers and uh, like how different fish operate in the ecosystem and things like that. And so we just like took a day and I just went out and got to learn a bunch of stuff about how you know, the fish in my area, at least, uh, were relevant to the things that I was learning in school. So yeah, stuff like that is something that I definitely would not have gotten in a traditional educational system. Yeah, that's cool. It, I mean, it's like for us younger people, I don't know if you ever had just going to a museum counted as like science and just running around with your friends counted as gym. <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah. And I think, you know, on that note, it is really interesting because uh, how to teach these kind of concepts and skills does take skill, if I, if I may, where because of our traditional learning system, it is, like you said, Jace, very much about taking a test, about writing a paper. And I know many of us here at Unbound share this frustration, but I am consistently annoyed looking at uh, both higher education and our education system in general uh, around the world where it is all about preparing you for a test. And it's all the tips and tricks to help you pass the test. But after you pass the test, hey, you, you, like the, the idea is that you're scot-free, right? You've learned something. But the truth is, you just know how to be a good student, aka pass the test. You know all the tips and tricks on memorizing things, on passing certain subjects. And then after that, you forget everything. I also was talking with uh, a student recently 
about a certain college, about a certain course. And the course was supposed to be critical thinking, basically. But <laughs> we were just having a rant where we can sum up the course, this specific course, in two sentences. And that is plagiarism is bad and do research. And just thinking about, all right, this is a college course. We, hey, you know, like we're happy in the sense that it's, it's an easy course. But, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, hey, we're, we're paying, you know, top dollar, you know, good college education just to tell us that critical thinking is research and don't plagiarize, right? And so here's a question that I have. And that is, as we think about, you know, this is the way that we can tell good curriculum from another or helpful skills. What are some ways that we can foster this type of thinking of how to actually learn, whether it's quickly and effectively mastering complicated information or uh, finding ways to learn that encourages students to ask questions instead of just prepare for a test or do research, and that's critical thinking. I think that to some extent, this is all about leaning into having the flexibility and the ability to lean into strengths. I think that anytime you add a scale to something and then you have to have sort of systems in it, that it becomes very hard to respond to individuals. And so, you know, in a traditional system, the very nature of that system means that you kind of have to go along with the flow, right? In something like homeschooling or I guess a smaller scale, micro schools, things like that, uh, there's an ability to really focus a little bit more on the individual and to lean into their strengths. And when you do that, when you allow somebody to kind of pursue their strengths, um, then you t you find that people like to do stuff they're good at. And when they like to do it, then they do it more. And then they do it more, they get better at it. And it, it starts a pretty virtuous cycle. And so I think that there's a sense where, you know, if, if you can just, you know, have the flexibility and recognize that and say, hey, we can lean into this you're going to foster sort of that growth development and you're going to see them kind of take off. And then back to what Jay said is that interaction with the real world as, you know, students take what they learn and they interact with the real world and they see that it makes a difference. Well, that that creates a real excitement to continue to do that. And then that becomes a virtuous cycle. And, uh, you know, I, I remember this when I was a kid, you know, I, I was really interested in planes and I went to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum and I was excitedly telling my parents all about it. And somebody noticed and they complimented me on the fact that I knew all this stuff about planes. And so that was like sort of outside verification. And then that fueled my interest to be more interested in planes. And then, you know, all of a sudden I had an above average expert, you know, understanding of aviation because I got some outside uh, verification that what I was doing made sense and people were excited about it. And so then it keeps going back and forth. Right. But there's another thing here that, you know, if we're just talking about you know, this trends a little bit more into parenting. Um, and so this applies to teachers as well. But so as parents, just think about this to some extent. You know, one of the most powerful things you can do as a parent is you can kind of look at your own life and be some, do some self-reflection and say, what is it that I'm good at and what worked for me? Well, let's make sure I pass that on to my kid. Well, you can do that because you're good at it. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, whatever you're good at, you know that inherently and internally, and it's part of you and it's built into you and you've got experience in it. So teach that by all means. Uh, but then you also have the ability, and this is equally important to say, what didn't work out so good? You know, what are my weaknesses? And then, then that really helps you kind of lean into curriculum, right? I really love history and I'm really good at history. I don't need much help in teaching my kids history. That just comes naturally to me. We talk about it at the dinner table and we build it into our family vacations and it's inherent in the books that we bring into our homes and the books that we read and stuff like that. So I don't really need much help there, but I'm not so good at math and science. And so that's the place where we've really looked harder for outside resources and we've leaned more on that free market and see what worked and what didn't. And we've really kind of pressed into that 
And so if you just follow that simple little thing, you know, do not be unafraid to teach your kids what you're good at. And then don't be afraid to face what you're not good at. And then, you know, fill the gaps there. If you accomplish either one of those minimally, you will have done something pretty dramatic that's much different than what most people get, um, which is you've, you've modeled something of success for a child and you've given them a way to follow that success. And you've been smart enough to look at your weaknesses, admit those, and you've helped direct your, you know, your students to a better option than that. Um, even if you are partially successful, even minimally successful in each of those, you'll wind up being much more successful in your educational process than most people get. 100%. Jace, any thoughts? Just the way it played out in my experience um, in terms of developing critical thinking and, and, and whatnot, the resources, experience, just real world experience was a huge resource in helping me develop skills and critical thinking. And it was, I think it was about 13 when my mom was like, hey, you have this really big love for history. You write a lot. You enjoy writing. Why don't you kind of combine those two and um, work on writing a, you know, a history book? And so through the process of, of doing that, um, kind of as a, as a school assignment, so to speak, I, I learned a lot about writing, about history, but also about, you know, publishing a book, about staying on task and, you know, having deadlines and getting other people to help me, um, you know, getting an editor to come help me, uh, finding a person to design the, the book cover and to do the layout. And there's, there was so much more that I learned through that process than just history and writing. Um, there was, there was project management, organization, responsibility, discipline. And I think if I had simply just read books about history or read books about writing or, you know, taken an online class about writing, you know, I would have learned a lot about writing and history, but I might not have been able to really, uh, get those skills of, you know, discipline and responsibility and organization and all those other kind of soft skills that came along with the experience of actually doing the project. Um, and so I know we talk about project-based education a lot at Unbound. Um, it's what we do. It's the, you know, the model that we run our Ascend program off of. Um, but I think it's worth bringing up again that it is really uh, a great way to build those skills and um, strengths that you're talking about, Abe, is to just simply practice them and do them because actually practicing and doing those things is actually going to teach you, you know, the, the content, but it's also going to teach you. So those other skills as well. Yeah, Jace, that was, um, really helpful. I, I definitely relate to that where experience has been huge for myself as well. And I, I think in life in general, right. It's, I, we say this often, it is a common saying of like, you need to experience things to grow. And I think motivation and all those are fascinating topics that we should very much cover in another Unbound Talks episode. So well, stay tuned for that. But here's a follow-up question to that, where school is uh, good and necessary. There are aspects of school that we need to learn from, such as reading and doing math <laughs> for myself uh, or taking tests. and. Again, I also want to say that we are not doing away with saying, oh, we should just get out there and experience life and not do school. No, there's a balance there where you should still learn. And it is difficult, right? It is not easy to sit down and study sometimes, but it is a necessary life skill and something that I do think builds character, as we've mentioned before. So 
Jonathan, what do you think is a good way to balance that out where we want to do the hard thing in the sense of experiencing life and learning from practical, practical adventures or whatever, practical projects, but also doing school in the traditional sense, studying and, and reading and all these different things. Doing the hard stuff, right? Yeah. Which is both is hard. How do we balance that? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's just it's start with the acknowledgement that life's always got hard stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that is a fundamental bedrock, unshakable, unchallengeable truth, right? Uh, none of us gets to go through life and do only the fun stuff. Uh, you can pick whatever, you know, person you want to say, stick on a pedestal would say their life is awesome and their life is fantastic and everything works. Um, and you actually talk to that person and, you know, there's always hard pieces. There was always some sort of inflection point. There was always some point they had to come through. And there's still aspects of whatever they do they don't like. Um, and, you know, you know, pick an athlete and say, well, you know, your job's really great. And they'll tell you about all the things they've missed because they've had to be a practice and the brutal travel schedule. Uh, pick a rock star and they'll tell you about how much they love to be on stage. But then what it's like to live in a tour bus for months on end um, and how stressful that can be. I mean, th- there's always a hard piece. And so. We're fooling ourselves if we give in and, and sort of submit to the Instagram, social media, instant legitimacy and, and everything always is fun type of place. And we miss the fact that there's always going to be hard things. And you know, I think analogy is really helpful here. I love to play ultimate Frisbee. Um, uh, being uh, Having exercise and being in shape is a really important thing. So look, you can do this a couple of different ways. You can exercise and get in shape by doing something that you hate, right? And then you have to always use willpower to kind of get there. Uh, or you can do something that you love. So I like to play Ultimate Frisbee. So therefore, I can play that more often. And then it makes it easier for me to stay in shape because of running all that kind of stuff. But there's another aspect of that. And that is if I want to get better at Ultimate Frisbee, there's still some things that are hard, right? Uh, it still behooves me to run on a regular basis in order to be in shape for Ultimate Frisbee games. It still means that I should do sprints occasionally if I want to get better. And so even there, it's not all fun. There's always some piece where you have to lean in and you have to sweat. You have to go hard and you have to work hard. And um, just acknowledging that is the first step to understanding it. And then finding the perspective on that, right? This is something I need to do to build skill to get to something else. And that's the piece that I think people often miss. And especially when it comes to school subjects, you know, every school kid's complaint is I'm never going to use this. Here's the reality. A lot of them know they ever re- are going to use this. I never used algebra. Um, I never had to use that stuff. And so the point is not to try to convince somebody, well, you might, well, there's a, there's a possibility that you might become, you know, I'd have people say to, well, is it possible you might become such and such and this or an engineer? No, there was no possibility <laughs> that was going to happen, right? <laughs> my, my algebra grades were, were clear proof that that was not, nobody is ever going to pay me for my algebraic knowledge, right? Uh, and instead saying something different and shifting the perspective and saying the skill that you learn teaching yourself how to figure out algebra. The, 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 the things that you learn from having to endure and through this, the, the stick to it is that you get from having to figure this out, the, the discipline you pick up for having to force your brain into something it doesn't like and figure it out, that's transferable and that's totally worth it. So don't worry about whether you're going to use algebra or not. Understand that you'll definitely use the skills that you use to learn algebra again and lean into that and treat it like training. Treat it like the push-ups, the wind sprints, whatever that you need to do to get better at you know the game that you like to play. Yeah, for sure. I think it's... Part of it is just um, realizing once again, there's a difference between learning content and learning skills and being aware of which one your subjects are teaching you. So for example, um, I'm joining the majority here. Math was um, not a strong suit of mine. 
And, and yet it wasn't like my mom was like, okay, well, you don't like math. You're not going to be a mathematician or an engineer or an accountant. So just don't worry about math. Um, no, she still made me make, you know, take math, um, all the way up through high school. And I, I took, you know, three credits of math in college. It was a requirement for my um, undergraduate degree. Like there are going to be times where you just have to, to study and learn the things that you don't necessarily want to, or that don't come easy to you or don't come naturally. And I think in, in those moments, you know, like you said, Jonathan, it can be super discouraging because you think I'm never going to use this content. I'm never going to use this algebraic formula or equation or this, you know, calculus, whatever. And it's true. You probably won't use the content, but I think there's, you know, once again, in, in teaching you the content of that math course, it's also teaching you uh, discipline. It's also teaching you responsibility. It's teaching you how to learn. It's how, teaching how to be resilient and, and push through it and, and make it through. Um, and those are the kinds of things that you are going to use. Um, you know, if you're studying to be an engineer, you may not necessarily um, like English. You may not necessarily think you're ever going to use your English courses and the content of the English courses, but you are going to need to know how to um, communicate with people, be patient with people, push through something that you don't understand, you don't like. Um, so I think there's always that that potential to say, okay, you know, in, in the things that I really am strong in, the things that I really do want to learn, I am going to learn a lot of skills, but I'm also going to really focus on the content. You know, if I'm going to, you know, be a history major, I'm going to focus on the content of my history courses. When it comes to my math course, um, you know, I'm going to focus on the skills that I'm able to, to build through the course itself um, and not so much the content of the course, but just the the way that the course helps me to grow as a person, helps me to learn, helps me to grow in character, helps me to grow in some of those learning and educational skills that I can then apply to other areas of my life. And that makes that course relevant. That makes the content relevant, not because of the content itself, but because of how you learn the content, how you um, how are you going to use it? Yeah. So I think just the overall theme of what you guys just said there and really throughout the entire episode is that it's in education and just in how we learn, it's not just about the content of what we learn. It's the growth, the personal growth and the skill development that happens throughout the process. That's super important. So that's been really great to hear from you guys. I've really appreciated uh, hearing those perspectives from you all. So wrapping it up today, thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. And I know that I have a lot of things that I'm thinking about following up with on the next episode of Unbound Talks. But uh, in the meantime, if you're looking for more content from us, a great place to start that is really very, very related to what we were just talking about is that Unbound is offering a free ebook that uh, Jace, who you've just been hearing from quite a bit, uh, had a large hand in writing and putting together. So, Jace, can you tell us a little bit about the ebook and why might people might be interested in it? Yeah, if you've been interested at all about what we've been talking about in this episode, just about skills and kind of crafting an educational model that really helps um, prepare a student for the challenges they're going to face in the real world and takes into account account the content of what they're learning, but also really, really focuses on how they're how they're learning it and how that is helping them prepare. Um, I think you're going to be really interested in this ebook. Uh, it's called The Homeschooler's Guide to Project-Based Education. And um, it's really all about how to apply the project-based education model to your homeschool, specific, 
specifically for high school students. Um, it is free and uh, covers kind of the entire process of project-based education. How do you, you know? How do you figure out what you want to do for a project? How do you plan that project? How do you complete it? And then how do you kind of look back and review and really take the lessons that you learned, um, not just you know the skills, the hard skills that you learned, but also the soft skills that we talked about in this episode. Um, and it you know, has a, a, an appendix where we kind of give, uh, I think, 50, over over 50 project ideas that you can kind of use to kind of get started and inspire some of your own thinking. So I think it's a huge resource for anyone who's interested in kind of applying this project-based mindset to their homeschooling style. So you can get it for free. Like I said, you can go to beunbound.us slash ebook. You can download it from for free um, on that page. Awesome. Definitely check that out. I would also shout out the Be Unbound YouTube channel. We, uh, as of this episode coming out very recently, had the video contest results come out as well as new content coming onto the channel very soon. So if you want more, I would say on the lighthearted side of things, just fun content about the Unbound culture, about the Unbound community. If you're interested in what we're saying and how this applies to real life, check out the YouTube channel. Well, as we've mentioned last time, we are continuing with a new segment on the podcast called Unbound Pursuits. Next week, we will be talking with Unbounders who are in the EMS first aid career path or have extensive experience there. So you do not want to miss that. There will be a lot of stories about, again, just first aid, um, responding to different situations where uh, our fellow Unbound alumni and students have been. If you are interested in that career path of going into EMS or the medical services, you definitely want to check that one out. Guys, thank you so much for watching or listening. Thank you to Jace and Jonathan for being on again with Unbound Talks. We will see you guys next week. Be Unbound. Take care. Thank you.